Donna Moyer from Morgantown, Pennsylvania. You have won the iPod Nano from this survey for the first edition of Novell Open Audio. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, we've been trying to call you all week, and uh, we can't get a hold of you. This is the first chance. I mean, it's only a few days before BrainShare, and this is the first chance we've had to get a hold of you. I'm a very busy consultant. I'm a very busy Novell partner. <laughs> it's wonderful. We're out and about quite a bit. Coming out of the company that is driving Linux into the desktop mainstream, this is Novell Open Audio. Welcome once again to Novell Open Audio, the podcast that connects the Novell user community with what's going on in and around the Novell universe. I'm your host, Ted Hager, and this is part of our pre-brainshare blitz of podcasts. And this one features the mighty Aaron Bachover talking about Banshee. Longtime Novell administrators have followed Novell over many years because they know that somehow or other, Novell always stays at the forefront of what's going on in technology and has a really cool approach to the stuff that makes businesses work. Prior to my coming to Novell, I was a certified Novell instructor teaching what I found to be some of the coolest technology available. And now, nine years later, after coming to Novell, I still feel like this place is the place where many of the coolest things going on in the industry are happening. Right now, I think I'm more excited than I've ever been about Novell technology because of a couple things that are happening. Here's what they are. Last week at the CBIT conference in Hanover, Germany, which is one of the largest computer conferences in the world, Novell announced the next version of the Enterprise Linux desktop. The name's changed. It used to be Novell Linux Desktop, and we're going with SUSE Linux Enterprise Desktop in the announcement. That aligns it with our server offering, SUSE Linux Enterprise Server. Once one company has dominance in an industry, how can you break free of their control if you don't like something that they do or the product that they provide? If a big company like IBM couldn't do it, and for, for the youngins here, I'm talking about OS2 Warp in an attempt that happened in the mid-90s, how can anybody actually overturn the hegemony of this single operating system? Well, when it turns out that it can't necessarily just be a company. It takes a community to do this, and this is what the power of open source is. The Linux desktop is now showing that it may actually be the thing that breaks the stranglehold off of the PC platform desktop. So the question is then, desktop Linux, is it real? Uh, if you look to Mike Silver, the Gartner analyst who follows desktop technologies, he jokes around in his presentations about the mythical penguicorn, this strange creature that doesn't really exist, and he's talking about desktop Linux. Uh, so it's kind of like a unicorn, I guess, is his point on that. But here's the thing. Uh, yeah, he's right. Certain limitations do exist with the Linux desktop, especially if you've gone with most of the Linux desktops that are out there today. You'll find it doesn't have the applications that Windows had. And you get into this chicken or the egg thing. Since there's not a Linux, lot of Linux out there, not a lot of companies make a lot of applications for it, and therefore there's not a lot of applications to drive a lot more Linux out there. Chicken and the egg. Some open source projects do exist out there, but a few of them you, you find are kind of rough, and that makes a little bit of a limitation. 
That's where Susan Linux Enterprise Desktop comes in. This desktop is designed to be really, really smooth and uh, performing well for end users. So you actually have something here that changes that experience around and makes it something that is a lot stronger. Now, a few episodes ago, you heard Guy Lunardi talk about this. And I've been working on this desktop, as I mentioned, for quite a while now. Um, my experience with this thing is, even though I don't have all the applications I want, as a fairly technical user, I'm really liking this desktop. I'm a power user of Microsoft Office. I actually used to teach Microsoft Office. And now that OpenOffice.org 2.0 is on the Linux desktop, I've been using it, and i got to say, I can actually survive in this thing. I can, I can thrive in this thing. I can make the documents that I want, and it performs well for me. I'm still not saying that it's exact, exact duplicate of Microsoft Office. I don't even know if we want it to be an exact duplicate of Microsoft Office, but it works well enough for me to get most of my basic productivity done. Another piece that's a really, really great piece on the desktop that I'm just completely overwhelmed and excited about is XGL. And uh, that's one that's caused buzz throughout the open source community. XGL is uh, bringing beautiful effects and eye candy to the Linux desktop, but also some usability features as well, like things for uh, people who have uh, visual impairments and things that make it a lot easier to use the desktop. You're going to see these kind of things show up in a lot of our BrainShare keynotes, and you're also going to see it, uh, if you're not at BrainShare, online in videos. In fact, uh, we did some special video filming, and I actually got to be the guy doing the demos of this, uh, so that you'll have really high-quality videos available online right around the same time that we do the main keynotes, because our keynote videos tend to not have quite as good a quality as we want to really show off this great uh, new technology of XGL. What XGL is, is it brings the OpenGL processing uh, power of graphics cards like from companies like ATI and NVIDIA. It brings that into the Linux desktop, making a lot of really cool eye candy effects, but more than eye candy effects, makes a more usable desktop experience for the end user. And actually, uh, what happened when I was at the FOSE, FOSI conference, uh, in Washington, D.C. last week doing demonstrations for some of the Linux user groups uh, who had a booth there, uh, I had people telling me that our demonstrations at this little Linux user group uh, booth were blowing away the Microsoft demonstrations of Vista and showing uh, OpenGL technology on that. So there's some really, really cool stuff happening in that area as well. Even better, for those of you going to BrainShare, the desktops on the BrainShare network, the ones that you can walk up to and use for email and those kind of things, all of them will be running SUSE Linux Enterprise Desktop Beta 7. Right now, Guy Lunardi, the product manager, and several of the engineers, including David Reevman, the maintainer of XGL, they're working right now to try to get it so that these email uh, machines, these uh, Novell BrainShare uh, BrainShare network machines are actually going to be running XGL, and we're hoping that we'll have these machines so you can actually play with XGL on the BrainShare network. That means it's not just something that we're demonstrating on stage, it's something that we're putting for prime time in front of everybody who goes to BrainShare. And that's pretty cool stuff. Now, please understand, when I talk about the desktop being really cool, I'm not saying that the world no longer needs Windows. Throw it out because the next version of the desktop from Novell is here. That's not what the point is that I'm trying to get across. What I'm trying to get across is technical users like myself and many of the people who listen to this podcast 
are going to find that this desktop actually provides you a comfortable enough experience where you may give up some things, but you take on other things that are great benefits in order to, uh, in order to free yourself from Windows. So you will be able to actually survive on a different desktop here. I've found that I can actually do it, and I really actually enjoy it. But the other side is, for those of you who manage uh, enterprise networks, for whether it's a small company or a large company, some percentage of your users don't actually carry around laptops. They might be on tethered machines. They might, uh, they might not need high-end features of Windows or some of the excessive features of Windows. They might have other needs uh, for just basic auto office automation. They just want to have the tools that help them get their work done. A solid browser like Firefox, openoffice.org on it. Uh, some of the other things like a collaboration package and that kind of stuff. And that's where the sweet spot's going to come in, and that's how we're going to see this whole enterprise lockup on the desktop that's been dominated by this one operating system. That's where we're going to see this start to break apart. And that's the end of my soliloquy for this uh, particular episode. Now our guest today, our interview today, is actually with Aaron Bockover, who is the maintainer and founder of the Banshee Project, which is an MP3 player or music player on the Linux desktop. It's written in Mono, and it actually allows you to hook up an iPod and synchronize your iPod from a Linux desktop. Aaron's been doing some great work on this. This is one of my favorite applications that's actually on the Linux desktop in SUSE Linux, des uh, Linux Enterprise Desktop 10. So here comes that interview. All right, so Aaron, how's it going? All right, how are you? All right. Well, we're here to talk to you today a little bit about the project that you're working on, Banshee. Why don't you give us a quick overview of what Banshee is? All right, Banshee is it's an application that encompasses hopefully most of, of the common uh, multimedia tasks uh, regarding audio that a user would probably like to perform on uh, their system, such as importing CDs and uh, burning songs back to a CD uh, managing the iPod, and basically is a, uh, a shelf that, that holds all your music, and you can organize it very well. Okay. Very easy to organize. So, so it, in other words, it's a desktop application. It's, for, it's, it's a desktop very much for end users, and they get to use this. What platforms is it working on? Uh, it runs on all the major Linux distributions. Okay. Ubuntu, SUSE Linux, NLD, uh, Fedora. Now that they're patching Mono, they're, uh, they're going to be patching it. Packaging it for uh, extras, I think. Oh, Fedora is going to get mono going in it, huh? Yeah, Fedora 5 has mono. Okay, interesting. You're in Raleigh, North Carolina, right? Right. And so probably when you go to your local user group now, you actually are going to be able to have some friends in the mono field. Yeah, hope so. <laughs> That's great. Let's get into a couple things on this. So you're you're doing this application, but there's a, like a lot of other desktop applications that are out there that are available that do some of the similar stuff. What makes Banshee different from other things that people might be using, whether it's caffeine or you know what, whatever else kind of things that are out there? Well, Banshee aims to be to sort of bring all these tools into one application, so that you don't have to to run you know a, a standalone program for importing a CD. You don't have to uh, use a separate program for burning CDs or managing your iPod. All these tools have existed before in some fashion, but it's Nothing has been really well integrated, mm -hmm. and so Banshee brings that all together. But Banshee is also really extensible too. Okay, so, how do you mean? So people can write plugins that, that basically do little tasks inside the program that they that they may want. The first plugin that we had written was for audio scrubber support, which allows logging of of music you listen to. What was it called again? Audio scrubber. Audio scrubber. Yeah, it's a. It's, I hadn't really used it or heard of it, um, but I'm addicted now. Oh, really? It doesn't really, you don't notice anything, 
But as you're listening to your music, it logs uh, the artist and the track name that you listen to to the Audio Scrabbler server. And then after you've listened to you know a couple hundred songs, you can look at your uh, your listening habits, and it can start recommending you music. Ah, oh, interesting. Okay, yeah, I think I have actually heard of that, and uh, I don't think I pronounced it right when I read it the first time or something, but I think I have it's, heard it's of it. It's interesting. I'd never heard of it until uh, December when and, Chris and Koshuk wrote the plugin. Okay, so the plugin then is going to actually hit the uh, hit like some kind of service that al- that allows the logging and everything and the analytics on it. Right, it does all the analytics. It can produce pretty graphs that you can put on your blog or whatever. Okay, people can see uh, your listening habits. So then, I would guess that uh, this is pretty good opportunity for any hackers who are looking to uh, work on Banshee to get involved if they wanted to. Absolutely, there's. Uh, I started with some plugin documentation on uh, the Banshee wiki. What's, uh, what's Banshee, the address for that? Banshee-project.org. Okay. And uh, that's a good place for, for figuring out where you can start. Uh, there's a whole host of APIs that you can use to hook into the core functionality of Banshee. Okay, cool. How'd you get started on this? Uh, it started about a little over a year ago, I think. It's funny, my original intention was basically to, to make a really simple XMMS, and which is like the, has been the traditional very first audio player that, that uh, users started using on Linux. Yeah, and that's not like an acronym for really anything. That It's actually just XMMS. I, I think it stands the, for the X Multimedia System, but I, I could be wrong. Um, yeah, but, uh, I mean, if somebody were to look for the really project, they just go for XMMS. Yeah. Right. Okay, so this this gives a, kind of an alternative to that is how you were looking at it first, and it was it was called Sonnets at first, right? Yeah, it was called Sonnets. Um, actually, it was called Remix uh, over a year ago, and it was written in C. Okay. And then uh, December last year, I got into mono. And immediately had to rewrite it. You mean you just you just started looking at mono? And I just said, started looking at I mono, and in about a week I got hooked and started rewriting. Oh, that's kind of cool. Sonnets, and it took about a month to rewrite. So and your your reason for being on mono then is like an architectural choice of your own. You said I got to I, I got to work on this thing. Absolutely, it took about three months to uh, develop just a a functional media player where you could just import a song and play it back. It had simple playlist management. Took about three months learning GStreamer, getting that all incorporated in C. Rewriting it took about two weeks in C Sharp. And GStreamer is a component that's out there. It's not just something that uh, you use, right? That's used by various. Oh no, no. GStreamer is a is a really big multimedia framework on Linux. Okay. It handles all sorts of the the low end audio stuff that applications may need to take advantage of. And part of what you've done with Banshee, I think a pretty big step is this whole iPod thing. Can you give us a little idea on that? Yes, the iPod uh, integration is is one of the main selling points of the program, where we wanted to be able to take ultimately any kind of consumer audio player, such as the iPod, to where you'd have this seamless experience where you plug your iPod in and Banshee recognizes it, and then you have the opportunity to play music from Banshee directly off your iPod, but also synchronize music back and forth between your iPod. So you don't have to take three different tools to manage to, to maybe move files from the iPod to the computer and back. Oh, okay. So that's one of the things, actually, that I got asked when when I did a presentation on uh, the Linux desktop just recently in Southern California. I got asked the question, does it allow you to synchronize songs from your iPod to your local system? It does that? Uh, yes and no. By next week's release, it will be a lot easier. Okay. 
the, the framework, I guess, has existed for a while, but the interface hasn't really been there. Oh, I got it. So okay. we're going to finish that up for the 0.10.7 release. And is this one of these things where, uh, like, if you've got Banshee all up and running, you got all the all the different things there, you still got a ton of things to do to get the iPod working? or Absolutely not. You can take a fresh, out-of-the-box iPod, plug it in, and just start working with it. Awesome. Cool. There are some catches, mainly HFS Plus support, uh, which is the file system that I don't think iPods come with anymore, but if you use a Mac, it gets reformatted as HFS Plus. Right. And most Linux kernels don't support write to HFS Plus. And that's 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 that whole thing of people buying a Macintosh or a Windows formatted version of the iPod. Right. right? I think yeah. as of last year, I think they started coming formatted out of the box as FAT32. So it's not a problem anymore. If you just get it out of the box and plug it in, it should work. But if you use your 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 iPod first with a Mac, it formats it for you as HFS Plus, which could then cause a problem if you try to use it under Linux because the kernel doesn't support writing. Got it. Okay, so here's an, here's another one. Um, one of the big barriers on Linux desktops a lot of times for people, especially if they're on more of the pure open source versions, becomes this whole MP3 thing because it's a you know you can you can use the codec for reading MP3, but if you want to write MP3, if you want to create MP3s you got a little bit of a barrier. So a lot of things don't usually include MP3 on it. OGG becomes a format. What does Banshee use? Banshee can pretty much use anything. We were able to get around some of the codec issues by um, teaming up with Real Networks. And they are actually providing uh, MP3 uh, decoding and encoding through their Helix multimedia framework. Okay. So Banshee uses a hybrid of GStreamer and Helix on SUSE and, and NLD to provide that seamless codec support where if you have, say, an AUG file on your desktop that you want to play on your iPod, when you synchronize the AUG file to your iPod, Banshee automatically transcodes it into MP3 using the Helix framework. Okay, so so in other words, if you're using if you're using Banshee, you've got the codec for MP3. You can go from AUG to to MP3 or back again, whichever way you want. It, well, it depends on your distribution, but but Banshee definitely has support for for going from any media format to any media format. And under NLD and SUSE, we go ahead and provide you that codec support. And NLD is Novell Linux Desktop. Novell Linux Desktop. Okay, so here's, you know, we got this new generation. Last question for you before we hit our tough questions from our community out there. Video iPods are coming out now. Banshee does music right now, right? Right. Do you have any plans going that direction, or is that like a plug-in area that you're looking at, or what? There aren't any immediate plans for, for video support, but I, I would personally love to see it, you know, down the road. The database format on the iPod, it's called the iTunes DB, is, is uh, what we're constantly hassling with. Every time Apple makes an update, we have to go and see what they changed in the format and then fix our version in order to be able to read their new version. But it turns out they store their video records inside the same database that we use for audio records. So theoretically, it's not very hard to actually support video in terms of synchronizing. So it's just a, it's just a matter of extending it, what Banshee does today right. to that. I think a lot of it is just is, is an interface issue. All right. Well, are you ready for three tough questions from the community? Sure, bring them on. All right, here they come. The first one comes from Nigel Wood. He's actually got two questions that he sent to us via email. And the first one is, is it possible to import an iTunes library into Banshee? Non-directly. It doesn't, well, Banshee doesn't read the actual database file that iTunes writes to. But you could certainly take your, your music library as far as how it, how it exists on the file system and just have Banshee import that folder, and it would reconstruct the, the database. Now, the downside of that is unless your, your rating information is stored inside metadata tags, you would lose rating information. 
Ah, uh, got it. And um, I would assume also, uh, is, is, there, is there any kind of safe check? Because, I mean, some, some of us, uh, when we first used iTunes, Mac, or Windows, found that uh, it really reshuffled a lot of our files in structures that we might have had before. It yes, might have totally munged them around. Is Banshee going to respect the file system? Yes, Banshee. Well, Banshee can respect the file system, or it can uh, copy music over into its own sort of directory structure, which is configurable. And is that like, uh, what's the default? Restructuring or not? No, the default is it, it doesn't actually copy music. It just imports the tags from where it exists on the system. Great. That was my tough question, by the way. Here, here's, here's Nigel's next one for you. So uh, it sounds like this one's probably already just thrown right out because he, he, he has a Macintosh machine, and he wanted to know if it was going to be possible to share an iTunes library between the Mac and Linux machine. Actually, uh, through DAP, the Digital Audio Access Protocol, it makes it entirely possible to basically from within Banshee, connect to an iTunes host, to, to another iTunes running on, on a Mac or something, and actually listen to music that's exported by the iTunes program. Okay. And, and Banshee, Banshee supports uh, both sharing or two-way DAP, where it can be a server and it can be a client. So you can listen to music from Rhythmbox or MTDAP or iTunes, all from within Banshee. And they all play nicely? And for the most part, they all play Banshee. There's, I mean, they all play nicely. Staggering. There's uh, there's one little glitch with Rhythmbox that we're working out right now. All right. And then the last question we have for you is from Gabriel Burton. He asks this question. At, and, and this actually, he didn't even send this in to us as a question. We actually did a survey for Novell Open Audio. We asked the question about whether people have subscribed to Novell Open Audio uh, from our first edition that we put out. And this guy actually responded to us saying he'll subscribe as soon as he has subscriptions for podcasts in Banshee. <laughs> Currently, there are actually two plugins in the works for podcasting. Michael Urbanski is working on one of the plugins. Uh, I think it aims to be a little more ambitious. Provides a very nice interface with with uh, cover art and everything, all in the the display. And Frederick Hedberg has been working on a very nice, but I think less ambitious podcasting plugin. Okay. And so what I think will probably merge the features of you know, come out with a really nice uh, podcasting plugin within the next couple of weeks. All right, cool. So, so we are actually going to possibly see that showing up. Uh, will, will that actually make it into uh, the upcoming releases of SUSE Linux uh, Enterprise? Or, I don't or, think it's going to be in time for that. But, okay. but it, it, it's a plug-in, so you can essentially download a binary directly from the, the Banshee website and stick it in your user plugins directory, and it will just work. Okay, so that that's almost to the point where, like, Firefox plugins work. Man, Absolutely, and... In the future, I'd love to have sort of some sort of uh, extension manager where you can go to your Banshee plugins dialog and and check for updates or, or browse for new plugins. That could without actually even Banshee. potentially that could be the perfect marriage between like Firefox and uh, Banshee, where somebody does a plugin in Firefox or something like that that actually just populates the files, knows where to put them. Yeah, that'd be. I mean, I would love to see that. Actually, uh, Mono Develop um, is a very nice IDE for developing under Mono has an extension manager just like that where you can get updates to extensions and, and browse new extensions. Great. Awesome. So if people want to know more about this, again, uh, the link was what? Banshee-project.org. And we'll have that on the Novell Open Audio website for uh, this particular uh, podcast. So thanks very much, Aaron. We appreciate you taking some time uh, with us, and we'll talk to you uh, next time around, hopefully uh, get an update from you in maybe a month or two. All right. Sounds great. Thanks a lot, Aaron. You're welcome. 
There you go. That's the Aaron Bockover interview about Banshee, and he's truly one of the heroes of open source innovation on the Linux desktop. You can find all of the links that Aaron mentioned on the Novell Open Audio website at www.novell.com forward slash open audio. While you're there, remember to rate the show. I'll make a note right now that our Skype voicemail is currently broken. A few people have called that to our attention. Thank you very much. Uh, they didn't leave us voicemails on Skype, of course, to do that. Uh, we do have the plain landline still available for you, so you can leave leave us a message there. Uh, we might play your play what you say on the air. If we do, we will send you a t- Novell Open Audio T-shirt. Uh, the uh, phone number for that is, of course, on the same website, novell.com forward slash open audio. Thanks very much to Nigel Wood and Gabriel Burt for submitting their tough questions. We're sending you guys a couple Novell Open Audio T-shirts. Nigel, you gave us two questions, so guess how many T-shirts you get? That's right, one. On the community front, Cool Blogs is now live at novell.com forward slash cool blogs. This is a project in conjunction with Cool Solutions. Uh, many of you know Cool Solutions as the Novell resource for technical tricks and tips. And now you've got actual Novell technology experts featured there in blogs uh, providing their insights on where the products are heading, how the products work, how to use them better, and so on as well as some of their uh, adventures working in the various products that they uh, support. Zenworks uh, got online first. Identity management followed just a few days ago. And now we've got GroupWise and Open Enterprise Server also showing up online. So you've got more and more Novell products showing up on cool blogs. One of our goals here is signal-to-noise ratio, keeping that as low as possible. Uh, excuse me, keeping the signal high and the noise level low. Meaning, in other words, instead of just being people's personal blogs here, these are pro, these are intended to be uh, really focused on the technology. You don't have to uh, weed through the various uh, things that people might be talking about that are off the subject that you're wanting to hear about. This is just pure tech, tech, tech. In fact, uh, it's so it's so unadulterated and so concentrated. It's actually been outlawed in two or three countries. Now, on the next part, I want to mention here is. Those of you going to BrainShare, please do watch for session TUT275, because in the spirit of shameless self-promotion, Aaron Quill, one of our reporters here at Novell Open Audio, and myself, we're offering a session at BrainShare. Uh, that is our session TUT275. It's wiki collaboration and community culture, putting the best of open source to work. Uh, we hope to see you guys there. Come on up to us and tell us hello. We might even give away a couple Novell Open Audio t-shirts at the session. Next one for you is if you're at BrainShare as well and you're a member of Novell Users International, make sure that you check out the NuiNet website, uh, N-U-I-N-E-T dot com, NuiNet dot com for Novell Users International members. Uh, we're actually doing a reception at BrainShare on Monday evening. And if you haven't already contacted Brent Sharp and RSVP'd to him, please uh, check out the website and find out more about that and find out how to get signed up. Last thing we'll say here is our next show is going to be the Novell Chief Technology Officer Jeff Jaffe interview. So you'll get to know a little bit about Jeff Jaffe. Jeff's a little bit different from previous CTOs that you've seen at Novell in that he actually has the entire engineering organization reporting up to him. Jeff will truly be setting the technical direction of Novell. So watch for that interview coming up probably in about the next 24 hours from when this one goes online. That's a wrap for this edition. Remember, Novell Open Audio is a co-production of Novell and Novell Users International, and it is directed by the suggestions and feedback of our listener community. Thanks for joining us.